Welcome to the Ontario Outdoor Pursuit Podcast. This Ontario-generated podcast is here to talk outdoor living, fishing, and hunting. Give all kinds of geeky tech talks and hunting tips with things that have worked for us. We all have a story to tell, and here's ours. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. It's been a while. Uh, I've been on the crazy prep for my Alberta sheep hunt. And just want to be clear before it kind of gets taken into the wrong context. I was not actually the hunter on this adventure. I was actually a guide assistant um, helping out there. So nonetheless, it was an incredible experience. And if anyone gets the opportunity to go out west, go out east, uh, if you're from southern Ontario, I mean, if you can make everything work, go ahead and do it because it is just, it's an experience of a lifetime. There's just, I, I, I'll be in awe the whole episode and every time I relive it from a photo, a video, something that I captured along the way, it'll just be incredible to go over that experience that I was able to endure. And um, the preparation that went into this hunt was a lot of work and... I believe going into it and what I got out of it, physically I was prepared for this. Um, Mentally, I don't know that you really can prepare. I mean, um, some of the days can can be really bad days. I mean, the the highest, the highs and really low lows. Um, Days where I had purple toes sitting in my sleeping bag just trying to keep warm. And I mean, we're, we're only into September now. And it's crazy to experience that weather, but it's you and it's mother nature and mother nature is always going to win. So without further ado, I want to dive right into this hunt because me chatting about it gets to kind of reminisce and I will be for some time yet. I'm still, you know, way up on the top of the mountain mentally right now. And it was just awesome. So uh, I was fortunate enough to get in contact with a fella named Andre. He is the owner and operator of Willow Creek Outfitters in Alberta. Um, great outfit if you're looking to get on a sheep hunt. Um, their, their success rate is quite well. And, I mean, they've got a good put-together system that really can help you achieve your goal and that's to be successful out there so th- there's a lot of work that goes into it i mean for those of you that are planning a moose hunt a bear hunt um you know you're, you're really into looking at topo maps you're studying an area so much that you can have almost everything down to a science and that's exactly what needs to happen with this hunt so i uh, was fortunate enough to go out there and do that with them it did take a little while to, you know, to really get things rolling, all this Corona bullcrap and crossing T's, dot and I's, uh, making sure that everything was going to be okay on the travel end. And uh, kind of towards the middle of my trip, I got noticed that supposedly we were going to a vaccine passport um, for public locations. And uh, at the time, I did not really know what that was going to mean for my arrival back home in Ontario. Um, it was it was certainly a worrisome. I mean, that's really the last thing you want to hear out there. But, um, you know, coming home to that, it's really, 
nobody really knows what's going on in these times. It seems like new rules are made up daily, and uh, you can't really live the life that we know how to live. So we're all kind of adapting, and you know everyone need does adapt uh, at a way that they need to. So uh, I did end up coming back home early. It was supposed to be a five five week trip. I was there for three weeks, and um, still great. It was, we got cold weather, we got maybe a couple warm days, a lot of wet weather, and it was a tough hunt. Um, I had mentioned that I prepared physically for this hunt, and when I say that, I was doing between 5 and 10 kilometers a day, if not every other day. Um, I was doing uh, at-home self-workouts in the garage. Once the gym had opened, I'd managed to get in there a little bit and lift some weights for a little while. But I think endurance was the biggest thing that you need to have set in play for this type of hunt. And uh, I believe the hiking and the all the walking, running that I did really helped with that. Um, physically demanding. I, I really don't. I should I should Google a a word that best describes it to be hard as hell. Um, so we, we get going. It's a three-day pack-in on horseback. I'm not a cowboy. I'm a plumber, pipe fitter. And that, that was probably – that was tough. That was really tough right out of the gates. Um, you know, as a guide assistant and wrangler, you're obliged to take care of your horse, your riding horse, as well as a pack horse, perhaps another pack horse. And, uh, my hat's off to those ranchers there for having the patience, uh, to teach me and, um, you know, to, to kind of help me learn. I mean, it's their way of life and certainly not mine. So it, it, it did take a little bit. And, you know, I think eventually I'd like to say that I came around a bit on the wrangling side of things, but it's tough. Um, it's a lot of tough terrain for the horses to be going up. Uh, they're packed and, so our three-day adventure in, we first did a few hours on uh, day one, set up a spike camp, and kind of let the horses roam around and graze for a little bit, and then we pack up the next day for a big haul out. I believe our second day of horseback was eight hours, and that got us to a base camp. Um, this base camp is kind of where we had set everything up, um, get everyone squared away on their meals, um, their packables, kind of organize your pack and bring things that you're going to need for this excursion. And then we're another nine days to where we want to set out before we, um, when I say we, that's me, the guide, and the hunter would kind of break free from the horses and start hillsiding our ways up the mountains. Um, so then we get to the day of departure, which we're about to hillside and it's wetter than all hell. We got a little bit of snow that day, but we were bushwhacking for, I think we did four hours until, uh, I mean, everyone's gear was damn near soaked through. I mean, we had, we had Kuyu gear, we had Sitka gear, we had first light gear. And it was so wet that it didn't really matter what you had. Um, 
you, you were getting wet in, in that terrain. And so we got up to a certain point uh, right near water. And one thing that I, you know, thought was pretty cool about this whole journey was every spike camp that we had got to, or uh, if there's a base camp, there's always some natural spring flowing water and it's awesome just you stick your Nalgene bottle right under there and you fill up water and it's really cool that there's these waterfalls all throughout the mountains of just natural springs super fresh water and that was our drinking source for the duration of this trip and uh, once we had got to a spot that we had found a natural spring kind of a flat area set up a spike camp we were trying to get dry for a little while so we ended up spending excuse me, I believe the first 18 hours in our sleeping bags um, of this hunt, just trying to dry some things up uh, upon waking up on our, I guess, second day of the actual hunt. It was so wet and just howling out that we decided to stay put for a little while. We happened to see that there was a break coming in the late afternoon. So about two or three o'clock, we picked up and we moved uh, another four hours up the mountain to which we had another spike camp um, that we had set up. And, and when we have a spike camp, um, we are using the same tent. You know, we're setting up, we're taking down, we're putting it in our pack and we're going to the next spot that is uh, we see fit for a spike camp to be. And so we get to the next spot, and at this point, there's a good four or five inches of snow. We're shoveling with our feet and hands to make some spots for our spike camp. And, well, set up our tents and right back to getting warm, make some supper. Mountain House supplied a great kind of meal for us. We had a smorgasbord of stuff. Um, if you're looking for a good packable food, Mountain House, awesome. That was, uh, I mean, I would much prefer the sheep throughout the whole hunt that we got to eat at the end, but the Mountain House would, would definitely have to do. So on our way up to uh, that spike camp, and uh, the later portion of that evening, just before we had got to spike camp, I had spotted uh, first two rams, probably at about 700 yards. They weren't legal rams. And that for me, that was pretty cool to see. That was the first Rams I've ever seen. And um, it was cool to watch them go bombing across kind of the ridge top. It's just, it, it really floors me what those critters can move around in, in that kind of terrain. Cause I mean, when I'm looking at how long it took us to get up a mountainside or, you know, to get to that 8,600 feet from 6,000 feet, these guys are doing this in matter of minutes and it's just, it, it blows you away. So we had, we'd made camp for that night, watched those Rams a little bit. And, uh, in the morning we had high plans to get up and really start the glassing and start seeing what we can hunt and where. And we, uh, the guide Quinn, he had a few spots picked out and again to, him i mean he he knows it like the back of his palm and he he did exceptionally well i was i was super impressed to see how everyone kind of operates in a different field um and and i think that's what i like about the outdoor world and the hunting world so much is that there isn't you're not just stuck to i mean for us it's turkeys deer uh you know bear moose up north but 
these guys out west, it's a totally different hunting lifestyle than what it is for us. So to see how other people adapt and what they do in in any sort of hunting scenario is really cool to watch and learn from. And I, I think I can say that I've brought home a few things that I, I'm definitely going to be putting together and what I like to do for hunting. So um, we got up the next day. So we're at day three and we get walking maybe 200 yards, um, 200 yards. We're going up this little bit of steep and we come across Rams at 75 yards. And these Rams are just walking along. And I mean, if we had a, you know, if I had a tied my boots up 10 minutes earlier, I mean, we would have been running right into these Rams. So I think it was kind of good that we didn't. And we got to 75 yards from these rams and we did were able to pick out one legal ram very nice ram and they had kind of worked their way up they were they were working quickly and i mean they are climbing so it uh it, it's tough to get everything set up um gary did incredibly well uh the hunter that we had uh gary this is his third time out 69 years old and I couldn't be happier first to say that um, I got to be a part of his last sheep hunt. Well, maybe, I don't know. If Gary ever listens to this, I still don't believe, Gary, this is going to be your last sheep hunt. I think you'll do it one more time. You're stubborn, and I know you've got it in you for sure. But Gary claims that this was his last sheep hunt, and he did so well at 69 years old. Man, I hope I can do half the stuff this this young fella did throughout his older days and we got to a point where we had set up you know everyone's kind of just out of breath and it's hard to compose yourself to get in a position where you know ethically you can take that right shot so um gary opted not to take the shot wasn't quite ready for it and at this point i believe the rams were had worked their way out to 250 um And it was good that he made that call. We had kind of decided that we would get to another point where we had, you know, had some time to slow down, get things set up appropriately. And these rams had bedded uh, right up this steep ridge about 800 yards. And, I mean, the vertical on this is, I'd probably say, 70 degrees. It's so, such crazy terrain. And the Rams had bedded up there for about five hours before we were able to kind of make a move when the Rams were working around the mountaintop. Um, We got fully set up. A shot has presented itself at 500. And due to some technical difficulties with the scope, I think... um, I think there were some issues there that we weren't able to seal the deal at that point. Um, We did get up to the the mountaintop. We checked for blood. There was no blood to be found. And we got back over the hillside there where Quinn and I had made sure that the rams were still there. We did pick out the rams. And they had made their way over to like 1,500 yards at this point from where we had made the first shot at 500 so they were quite a ways and they were kind of set up to a point where they could fully see whichever way possible that you were coming from so we were kind of in a bit of a pinch where 
we got back down. We went back down to the same spike camp and we had actually nestled there for a few days because there was no good way that we could have gone about making a stock on these rams. So we got back down to camp. We got a plan and set for tomorrow and uh, just kind of got ourselves together, had some more mountain house and got ready for day four. And uh, day four was a lot more of glassing. Quinn had made sure that the rams kind of stayed where they were the previous day and tried to figure out a way that we could make a move on these rams. Um, day four actually didn't present any opportunities for us to do so. Um, we kind of waited for to see what happened would be day five when we woken up. Um, day five... Day five, we actually stayed at that spike camp once more. Again, we decided to do a different spot of glassing. We did see two more rams and a, a few other rams kind of bouncing around through the one valley. And as I mentioned, these rams, they cover so much ground so quickly that if, if you're looking at a a ram for you know half an hour it could be gone in the next five minutes if it's grazing or uh, you know if it's kind of moving areas and one of the most interesting things I thought of when we were always glassing these rams is didn't actually get to see any ewes um, this was like a I think we were going to call it like bachelor's paradise because of how many rams we had actually seen in there um, and it it was a lot it was definitely a run out of digits to count, but there was a lot of rams. And I think um, once those rams had kind of buggered off, Quinn had really put the idea together that, okay, on day six, we're going to have to pack up camp and we're going to, we're going to move over the hillside because it looks like they've all gone into a different range. So we got up over this hillside and um, decided to make a new spike camp we kind of got a good general idea of where the rams had gone to and we made a play that would keep us within a thousand yards um, from a spike camp from where these rams were and I think that was that was just a crucial play that we made we got in real nice and close um, you know kind of got spike camp all squared away made made a little bit of a stock got some uh, eyes on where the rams had gone to. And another thing is what these rams feed on. I mean, you get a ram that's like 250 pounds out to, I mean, 320 pounds would probably be a big ram. Maybe you know of any bigger rams that had been harvested. But, I mean, that, that that's a big critter for what they eat. I mean, a willow shrub's no bigger than a foot and a half. So for them to be grazing on all these little shrubs on the Rockies is uh, kind of astonishing, really, how big they're actually able to get. And we found the rams that were out kind of grazing, and it looked like we had picked up a couple more legal rams. Um, so, you know, we kind of got to a later point in the day, and we're working our way back down the hill. And once we had got to a point, we... I mean, we were maybe 50 yards out from camp. Um, I just, I happened to turn around and b 
boom, there was a ram standing at 300 yards from our tent. And in comes the other dozen rams uh, with a mixture of legal and, and yearling rams. They were all just kind of looking at the tents for a few minutes. And it was just a long pause. I mean, it was... Did they pick us out? Uh, I'm not too sure, but there was definitely something there that they didn't like. Um, obviously, the the red and gray tents kind of stood out a little bit, and they spooked. They buggered off back up the mountain, and they stayed at an even further distance at this point. But, I mean, um, once we had gotten to that range where we had found a grounds that we could set up our spike camp you know you're you're not really thinking that okay they're gonna come right back through our camp and that's exactly where they were headed so um I mean I still thought it was a good play you couldn't really judge whether that was going to happen or not and this had just given us another day to kind of regain our thoughts see how we wanted to approach the further rams We, we knew they were back at a point where you know, it is going to be a hard spot to get at them. I mean, patience is a virtue out there when hunting these for sure. And if you don't have it, you're, you're probably not going to get lucky because I mean, they, they can outweigh you for them to be bedded up for six hours. It is a tough time to be sat. I think on the, the longest day that they were bedded up was probably eight hours where we had sat and glassed and watched. And that's all part of it. Um, they're not that they don't really have the pressure out there it's really cool to step foot on land that probably not many people have or really nobody else is going to be stepping for quite some time or at least i would think and these rams they, they don't have that pressure so so not having that i think one it could either really help or two you know something such as little as our tents not looking like something that it belonged there would be something easily uh, to spook them. So uh, once those rams had buggered off back up the mountain, we got ready for day seven. And that morning we had got up to the mountainside, right? We had made a play out to 800 yards as the last point in which we could get to without um, being caught by these rams. So, Again, we had waited this out, we had glassed, and this was our real long sit. This was a whole eight hours of glassing up at this point um, to in hopes that these rams would come to us, and unfortunately, it didn't happen. And, I mean, that's just the nature of hunting. So, again, got back down to our uh, spike camp that we had made and had some supper and we are ready back at it for tomorrow. We are kind of going into day nine with the same approach, and that was going to be to get to that uh, mountain peak, and I believe that was at 8,500. And what we would do is, again, wait until they kind of looped either to our left, to the right, around the mountain, and then we could get you know an ethical shot off. So... Um, we, once we had got up in the morning, I had grabbed water bottles and our canteen and I knew it was going to be a long day. So filled everyone's stuff up and I'm kind of, once I'm walking over to the waterfall, I can kind of see that there's some fresh tracks 
and they definitely weren't there the night before when I was filling my bottle. So, you know, I'd kind of just mentioned that, you know, there's some ram tracks here. We'll just take it slow and not 15 minutes uh, into our hike, we spot four rams and one is one of our legal rams that we're after at, I think it was maybe 350 and he was just kind of hunkered down. You could just see his, uh, his tips and we were able to kind of shuffle up to a spot where once he kind of worked his way up, this is about uh, 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning. Once we had know that he was going to work his way back up the mountainside, then we would be able to get a good shot off. And we were prepared for that. And he did climb up to a certain point and put the crosshairs where we needed them to. And we were just a touch low. So we had... Uh, broken one of the legs on the ram and we had a killer blood trail um not knowing at the time that we had hit uh i think that the almost the vitals and kind of the chest at this point we had got something that would really let us have a good blood trail for a good 300 yards and we'd gotten to a point where everyone was kind of set up, found the ram, he was bedded, and we were able to get back set up at 200 yards from this bedded ram that we had uh, hit, you know, about 45 minutes before that, and made another ethical shot, and we were able to seal the deal on my first ram hunt and Gary's last ram hunt, so... It it was, you know, a whole roller coaster of emotions. I mean, Gary had given me a whole run around the mountain. So I can actually say that <clears throat> my sheep hunt, I got to see everything. I got to experience, I think, everything you can on a sheep hunt. And I'm grateful for it. Um, made our way over to the ram, checked him out. And it was, you know, it was a photo shoot. It was just absolutely incredible. Um, Gary had invited me to get in there, really, you know, get my hands on that sheep. And it was just kind of now, kind of a loss for words. It was just so incredible. What goes into that hunt is uh, it's a lot. And the reward at the end of it is just absolutely incredible. Um we had, I guess, a moose run through one of our base camps. Um, I had spotted four grizzlies and got to watch those for a little while. And it was nice. It, it was incredible to see grizzlies from afar. Certainly not up close. Another creature that can cover an insane amount of ground in just a matter of minutes is uh, mind-blowing. Um, but the wildlife and... The way of the woods out there is what I was saying. It's uh, it's something different, and it was just so cool to experience it all. Um, obviously, at this point, it was the hard work began. Um, we had deboned the ram, got all the meat that we, uh, all the meat, pretty much that we could take, and I believe so. Going in on my pack, I was sixty three pounds. 
with rifle and on the way out i believe i was 90 pounds with meat and rifle so it was heavy it was you know you get to a point where okay the first half an hour you're like yeah this sucks i'm done i I can't go any further it's too heavy and then you get past the point of pain and you just go and what you can push your body to go through and this is where i think the training really helped me out was you know you're just you're looking for the end goal and if you're just kind of doing something half-ass you're only going to get halfway you're not going to make it to the end so it, it hurt but it was so awesome <laughs> the saying a heavy pack's a happy pack and i still don't know who who came up with that saying but i mean we were happy as as all hell i mean smiling ear to ear the three of us walking down the mountain um we were two days pack out so our first day gary had shot that ram early in the morning um we got it all deboned packed up um got back down to our spike camp had a little lunch and kind of packed up everything made our way back over to our first spike camp in the mountains and our first hike that day was i believe six and a half hours And then we had one more short day, which was only going to be about four hours out with all the meat. And that was back down to horses. So it was kind of nice knowing that, you know, the 90 pounds on my back was quickly coming to an end and that one of these horses would be able to take it from there for me. So it it was um, incredible. If you have the opportunity, go and explore You never know what each adventure could bring. Um, Everything from practicing with your rifle, your bow, training. um, You know, these are all things that would go into a hunt like this. This isn't something that you're just jumping into. I already got lots of questions from friends and um, some listeners. You know, how was the hunt? And... If you can prepare for it, I you'll I know you'll do just fine. But if you don't prepare for it, you're you're probably in for a rude awakening. And um, I'm gonna have a little pack video to check out on Instagram and YouTube, and you can kind of see what I had with me um, on that hunt. And if you have any questions about what worked and what did not feel free to shoot me an email, a DM of any sort, whether you're listening to this on Apple, iHeartRadio, Podbean, doesn't matter. Shoot me a message. Would be happy to answer anything that uh, I, I can to the best of my knowledge. And if you guys are looking for any more tips or tricks because you're getting on your next backcountry hunt, um, I would be happy to help in any which way that I could. But I would say train, 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 and make sure that you could you know, be at the absolute best you can. And I I would incorporate that to, you know, your whitetail hunting, your moose hunting, anything in Southwestern Ontario. Um, You know, you're only just going to excel the more you better yourself. So it was incredible. Thank you to all the guys at Willow Creek. Um, it, It was awesome. I hope that someday in the future we could work together again. And, um, I mean, now I'm back home, so the prep continues the prep doesn't stop i'm back in the woods now getting ready for our rifle moose hunt and gonna prepare myself 
for that. So super excited. This is uh, what September through December is about. Is all about hunting, making memories, and uh, hard work pays. I'm super excited. So stay tuned, guys. Lots more content to come. Uh, photos, videos of my adventure out in the Alberta mountains. So any questions, feel free to ask. Thanks to my friends at Crimson Talon Broadheads. And thank you to the folks at Kiln Sticks Carbon Arrows. Um, shooting a new setup this year, and I'm going to be able to put that all to the test here very shortly. So we will see you guys on the next episode of Ontario Outdoor Pursuit. Stay tuned because, as I talked about grizzlies and a few that I had seen, I'm going to get to dive into something crazy that you're certainly not going to want to miss and something that kind of gets swept under the rug uh, from a politics side of view and you know something that you don't really hear throughout the news so stay tuned for that more to come on grizzlies more to come on hunting and we will chat soon